This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There is more to the story than just postpartum depression, and this podcast aims to share it all. From personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about parental leave. Now, I know for many, many people, including myself, what a stress it can be to deal with going out on leave, understanding what all of your rights are, what all the laws are. It is incredibly confusing, let alone how to know what you're going to need through the process of preparing for leave, being on leave, and returning back to work. And that is precisely what we're going to be talking about today with two people who are working very, very hard to make sure that we all have the information that we need in order to have a leave that feels good to us and that helps us be able to communicate with our employers. Now, if any of you out there are also employers, this episode is useful for you as well because there is a way that we can all be figuring out our leave together in a way that feels collaborative and supportive to both the person who needs leave and the organization. So honestly, I learned some new things here and also helped me shift my perspective a little bit on leave and actually how big of a messy system it is for everyone involved, both on the employer and employee side. Thankfully, it doesn't have to be a mess and it doesn't have to feel that way. Our guests today are going to share with us some crucial information and how to get through this period of time. One of our guests, Dr. Amy Beacom, is the founder and CEO of the Center for Parental Leave Leadership, the first full-service consultancy in the U.S. to focus exclusively on parental leave. She conceived of and began developing the field of parental leave coaching and consulting in 2006. Drawing on over 25 years in executive leadership, development, and coaching, Amy consults with Fortune 100 companies, international organizations, working parents, and more to transform the way our companies and our country engage with the parental leave transition. Amy is also the co-author of the Parental Leave Playbook, 10 Touchpoints to Transition Smoothly, Strengthen Your Family, and Continue Building Your Career. We're going to be talking quite a bit about these 10 touchpoints and ways that you all can learn from the book that's been written and help ease your transition into parental leave. Another guest today is Sue Campbell. She's a writer, author, and coach who has worked with the Center for Parental Leave Leadership since its early days, helping to communicate the transformative impact of their core mission. Her writing, often focused on issues important to parents, has been published in many outlets, including Prevention, Good Housekeeping, Scary Mommy, and Mama Load. Some of the things we're going to be touching on in this episode today with Dr. Amy and Sue is why is parental leave an important topic in the first place? What are some of the phases of leave that we should be preparing for? How to relate those to the 10 touch points that they talk about in their book, all these areas that are really important for us to dig into to help have a better leave. And we're going to talk about parents who are not the birthing parents and also considerations for perinatal mental health. 
So let's not wait a minute more. Let's talk with Dr. Amy and Sue. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Amy and Sue. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I know that this is a really, really hot topic, parental leave in general, and it seems to have gained a lot more steam or heat in the recent (laughs) years. And um, so I'm really, it's a timely conversation and a needed conversation that we're having today. So I would love to know how you guys got into this work around focusing on parental leave. I'll start there. That's a deep one to go into right away. For me, I have two children. One is will be 16 in December and one will be 13 in December. And so nearly 16 years ago, I had my first child while I was living in New York, in Brooklyn in particular. And I was working on my doctorate in organizational psychology with a focus on executive leadership and coaching and particularly women and women's leadership and work life balance issues. And I had just finished helping create the first executive coaching curriculum at Columbia and was working as a consultant to some of our country's biggest brands. And I had my child and I had gone into it thinking, I know exactly I'm going to be fine. I know what I'm doing. I've been studying women and work and home for a decade at this point, I'm good. And I was not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was not at all. And I had a very unwanted cesarean that was really traumatic because he was much bigger than expected. And they had to like suction him out of the cut and all this stuff. And then of course, had all the issues of breastfeeding issues and the peeling issues and all the things that can cascade around around that. But what I wasn't expecting was the perinatal mental health hit. And I fell into a deep postpartum depression that veered into postpartum psychosis and was completely incapacitated by it for months and months. And I would sit in this rocking chair, pumping and trying to get my milk to come in. And, you know, I know so many of your listeners have a similar story of that feeling of I'm here all alone in this dark room. Is nobody going to hear me? Is nobody going to make this different? Is nobody going to make this better? And I would sit there and rock and think like, how can I make sure no woman ever feels what I'm feeling right now? And, And one night I was doing that. It was like this little mantra to get myself out of it. And I heard an answer in my ear, like right behind my ear saying, you need to create a new field called maternity coaching, which is what at the time I was, it was called It's now we talk about it as parental leave coaching and consulting. But back then it was maternity coaching and coming out of the executive coaching world and having helped grow that for the 10 years previous and having worked in consulting and within companies and doing training, I was like, how the heck? Have we been overlooking the most impactful moment in a parent's career and life cycle? Like what on earth have we been looking at to have been overlooking this? So I instantly knew what that meant. Like, what does it need to involve? What is the whole perspective we come at? Physical, mental, practical, emotional, work-based. How do we do that? How do we build a field? And I'd luckily been involved in helping build executive coaching as, you know, as it was coming together in this country. So I had a sense of that and, and I've been working ever since to do it. (laughs) It was a lot of headache and heartache early on, but it was also the way that I healed. And I think what is incredibly powerful that a lot of people in this country do not yet understand is the way that parents tap into something deeper than themselves during this time. And they have access to that if they are well-supported and resourced enough to be able to pay attention to it. And I thankfully was, because what came out of it is that creativity and the birthing of an entire field, right? (laughs) That has led to where we are now. So I have since created a company, the Center for Parental Leave Leadership, which has been the only parental leave consultancy in the country for the last nine years. And then Sue and I have co-written the Parental Leave Playbook, which outrageously is the only book 
to help all parents navigate this time in an evidence-based way that breaks it down in a manageable way. It's the only one that exists. There's lots of like, come back to work, help mom kinds of things, but nothing like this, which again, ridiculous. First parental leave transition assessment that gives people an evidence-based tool and a report to help them understand what they're facing during this time and how to get through it. So just really, yeah, now we're training coaches around the country to help create legions of support for moms, dads, however you identify to get the support that is needed for everyone in this country. All right. That was a very long answer, but <laughs> it's, you know, we all sort of have an origin story, so to speak, like within our specialties, why we're attracted to or need the find the need for certain things. And sometimes it comes from a certain kind of pain. Not always. Sometimes it just comes from just like a highly conscientious justice mentality, which is awesome. Also, it doesn't need to come in any certain way. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like you guys are very passionate about this and really are filling a massive gap as well. What I, I love about what you just said, though, it highlights how people are drawn into this work. Right. We, we often talk about when a, when a baby's born, so is an advocate. And that is what we're seeing as we're starting to train and certify coaches, retain parental leave coaches is every single one of them. And we're talking about like in-house leave navigators at the highest level to women working with homeless people in the streets to dads in the Navy. Like we are training mm-hmm. across the board. Every single one of them is drawn to this work because of a personal connection. And that pathos is so important. I just love it. So any listeners, like follow that, follow your emotional connection. Yeah, absolutely. And Sue, how did you get connected? Well, I also had sort of a somewhat shocking experience with the transition to parenthood. I I had you go in with one set of expectations and then you find out like how much there is actually involved. And so when I went back to work, it was just an extremely stressful, rocky time that really led to some burnout when my daughter was about two and also led to like a major health crisis of my own with a couple of autoimmune diseases that came in at that time. And so learning how to seeing right the trajectory of this thing that has enriched my life immeasurably but also through absolutely everything out of whack in ways that really should not happen Mm -hmm. if we were systemically supporting people the way we could and the way Mm -hmm. other countries do. So when I met Amy, my oldest was in first grade. Our oldest kids are in first grade together. And she's like, oh, you're a writer. I'm going to take you out for coffee. And she like (laughs) plumped her dissertation down on the table (laughs) and started telling me about her work. And I was, I mean, my mind was completely blown. Again, I had that reaction. Why has no one else been talking about this? Right. Right. Why is this being ignored and just something that women are expected to like somehow fix behind the scenes on their own? Right. And the other thing that was really brilliant, which Amy hasn't touched on yet, is because we're so backwards in this country and we don't have a federal parental leave policy. Amy's work was like, you know what can have the most impact? Workplaces right? Your place of employment has an absolute outsized impact on your entire leave experience because of the way we're set up in this country. So the Center for Parental Leave Leadership really tries to get at the systemic issue through employers and helping them understand the advantages for everybody involved to do a better job with this time and just how transformative that can be. Yeah. I mean, it's so true and so necessary. And to to both of your points, like why? Why? (laughs) I mean, I have a lot of soapbox answers to the why we don't deal with this, which I'm sure you have too. (laughs) And know way more about it than I do. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted?, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, 
Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. As you guys have been doing this work, what have you been seeing from other people? Why they are seeing this as so important, the parental even in particular? Why is this so important to everyone? A lot of our clients who come to the Center for Parental Leave Leadership are very socially minded and they are coming to us because they've seen firsthand the impact that it's having on very valuable employees, right? They're going, oh, this is an issue. There's got to be a better way to do this. And like, you know, all smart people, they're like, let me look around for who's the expert who's already figured out how to solve this problem, right? So they're feeling the pain of it within their organization, and they're wanting to make an improvement, and they're proactively seeking it out. And these are employers who are very compassionate, but they're also really smart and strategic, right? So they're like, okay, I don't want all of this valuable human capital walking out the door. And I care about this person. There's got to be something that we can do. And so they come looking for answers. But it's almost always because they're encountering the problem for the first time right? We have a lot of startups. So this is like the first time someone's gotten pregnant within the organization, or there's some sort of shift in leadership or shift in consciousness where they're recognizing, oh, this isn't something we have to live with. This is actually a problem we can. And we do have to add to that list of companies. There's also the big employers who have been the leaders in this and who are always staying at the forefront and tracking. So the early tech companies who are massive and who were the first to have any leave. So coming to to us and talking about how do we incorporate dads appropriately? How do we make this more equitable across the entire organization? How do we train our managers so that this really isn't just saying to the parents, this is your problem to fix, but we really are walking that talk of creating that systemic change. So that's the, a lot of times that looks like policy expansion consulting or just helping them figure out what resources they already have within their organization that can be better pointed to doing manager training, you know, those kinds of things. Right. I mean, as you guys were talking about this, it occurs to me that in some ways you're sort of swimming upstream against a really long held practice of (laughs) kind of not caring. Swimming upstream sounds very easy. Compared- <laughs> like, oh, it's so smooth. I'm swimming. We're more like jackhammering through brick walls up a hill. <laughs> yeah, that's how big of a problem it is. Yeah. Uh, right, because- are- and I will say that it isn't out of malice. Like mm-hmm. we're not doing it. They're, these companies aren't like, oh, I don't like my employees. I don't want to think about them. It's just not part of the consciousness we've had in this country. Right. And we are doing a massive transformation right now. And we're in the thick of it. And so there's a lot of range because we're in the thick of that transition and that transformation. Some people, um, usually younger people who are having children, have a feeling of like, well, of course my company is going to support me. What that's why wouldn't they? And then they're hit up against this older pattern of mm-hmm. not supporting. And the tradition within that company isn't mm-hmm. something that's compatible with their expectations and lived needs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a real clash there that 
isn't intentional. It's just by oversight and demographic. For sure. So a lot of the folks that I work with who are trying to even just figure out how to take the leave that they do have, that their company does offer, are so incredibly overwhelmed by the system that's in place or systems <laughs> that are in place, not only within their, their own organization and HR that are trying to give the employee, you know, accurate information, but sometimes it doesn't, it, whatever. Sometimes they get different information from different people and then mm -hmm. they call whatever the, the state organization is that manages this and they get different information. So, I mean, and this is with place, leave in place. I can't imagine how much harder it is when you're trying to carve something out that's not there. We do these action planning workshops, right? Where we're trying to get people into like the meaty, emotional impact and practical planning and all of this, right? And what we found when we started doing them was people can't hear us and engage with the material until we address the question of how much leave do you have? And the fact is we cannot answer that question for a single person on our webinars because it is so variable. So we're like, okay, here's how you find out, right? So first you have to figure out if you are eligible for FEMLA. Your employer has to be eligible for FMLA and you have to be eligible for a certain, you know, working for a certain period of time or a certain number of hours under that employer. So that's the first layer. I just have but, to back up. Lots of people think FMLA is paid leave. It is not. Not paid leave. Right. So that's just job protection. It covers only 56% of people in this country. So don't assume you even have it. Okay. Right. So that's your first step. Do you even have FMLA? It is not paid. Second layer is do you live in a state that has its own paid leave program and law? There are like There's 11 plus DC. Um, yep. that either on the books or will be rolling or out. enacted or rolling out over the next couple of years. That's, that's not that many. That's not that many, but a few years ago, we only have five. So it's a lot more than we've had. Okay. So we're very right, excited I'll take it. there's I'll this many right now, but we just made the mistake of not passing federal paid leave within the Build Back Better Act because of partisan ridiculousness. So anyway. That's and so you have that layer of your state, and then you need to go down to the layer of your company or the organization that you work for and what is their policy. And that's where it can actually get super confusing if it's not already confusing enough in that they're trying to cobble together as best they can a way to supply that. So it's a short-term disability program. Sometimes it's just your, you know, use whatever paid time off that you have. Sometimes it's an actual dedicated, like you can take this much for parental leave. So you've got to get down to that level. And if when it's, you know, a short term disability policy, there's a time lag and a waiting week and you don't get your full pay. And so people get really frustrated at a time that's already incredibly stressful for many possible reasons. And then you add this financial weight of not knowing where your paycheck's going to come from on top of a hospital bill, you know, for birth in this country. And it, you can care in a child care crisis. And when you go back to work, I mean, it, we are, it's hardcore. <laughs> it sounds like you have three very clear first steps that either you're helping the person who's looking for the leave, you're helping them mm -hmm. understand that. And well, I guess maybe if I, I don't know if I should break it up into two, but like the person who is trying to figure out the leave, the book that you wrote right. is for them. Yeah. So the book is geared towards parents. We actually wanted to make it a book. Like when you were a kid, you'd have, it was one story on one side and then you would flip it over and it would be another book, right? right. You'd go like this. Yeah. We wanted it to be employees on one side and managers on the other because getting that aligned communication and everybody on the same page is so, so critical. And we couldn't quite sell that concept to the publisher, but... <laughs> We yeah. think the book, even though it's written as a coach in your hand for that employee, managers should read it. HR should, people mm -hmm. should read it. People who are entrepreneurs should read it. This right. applies to everyone. It really does. Right. So then the folks you are training within your program, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but just so that I can get it straight in my head, the <laughs> folks that you are training in your programs are more on the, the management side. No. So what, well... It is a little confusing, as is any topic around parental leave. So we've, as the only parental leave consultancy in the country, we have had to throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall yeah. <laughs> to figure out what's working. And so we do it all 
And so there is the man, the company level work that Sue's talking about. And then we also this year have flipped our model in order to get more people support. And so that is our coaching certification program. So we're training external people in our model which follows the same model we outline in the book, that coaching model. So this is basically, like Sue said, a coach in your hand. It follows the coaching framework. There's 10 touch points that everyone, managers, new parents need to navigate through over this three-phase timeframe, preparing for leave, during leave, and returning from leave. There's 10 moments across that that if they're done well, have a positive impact. If they're done poorly, have a negative impact on that employee manager experience and retention, growth, Mm -hmm. development, you know, all of the things down the road. Okay. So this is not just preparation for leave. It's no, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. We should start there always. I forget to, because we live and breathe this every day, but for most people, they think about parental leave, they're only hearing, well, what do I need to know? That's my time Mm -hmm. that I'm away from work and I'm just Mm -hmm. hanging out with my new baby. Why do I need to spend any time thinking about this? And uh, what I am trying to really convey to everyone is we spend years looking at how to research colleges for our kids, looking how to buy a more house, how to get the right mortgage, what you know, large financial, we don't spend any time on this time, which is the biggest moment that will change your life (laughs) in your personal and your professional trajectory for good, right? Absolutely. So what we want people to think about is how do you prepare for that? What do you need to know? How do you navigate through that? What's Mm -hmm. happening during that time? And how do you return in a way that integrates everything that you've learned and who you've become? And how do you build in that flexibility into your planning to allow for that? In an aligned way, what does the managers need to know to support you? What? How did they work with their team? How does the manager stay in communication or not following your plan during leave? How does that manager create the environment that that return is sustainable? So we're showing how that happens from both sides across the whole way so that we as a country have a process that is overt, easy, predictable, everybody knows how to do it, that isn't only about policy, but is about the practice of this time. Okay, good. I'm glad you guys are going to fix all of this. Because we need it. Yeah. And just as you were talking through this, I'm thinking I'm like multiple client situations where they're stressed out before, during, mm-hmm. after. And you made me remember even my own situation that mm-hmm. I had like for sure blocked out. Um, <laughs> like told I have to go back to work, you know, next week kind of mm-hmm. a thing. It is a massive point of stress. Massive and leads directly. And the research is starting to back this up because Mm -hmm. we're finally getting research in this area directly to postpartum depression, perinatal Mm -hmm. mood and anxiety disorders, anxiety. Mm -hmm. My favorite this morning, I saw the sweetest little Instagram of this woman. I'm going to blank who it was. I'll leave it in the show notes, but talking about postpartum rage. And how postpartum rage is such a real thing and people don't understand it. They're like, I thought this would be just this gorgeous time. And I'm <laughs> right? like, it's just, it's all that we're navigating. It's all of it. It's a lot. How to find kindness with each other. Well, how about that? Mm-hmm. That would be great. It's hard to do with such a, um, if I can use like a messy system. I mean, it can create a lot of angst, like outside of what you're dealing with in terms of any kind of mental health or difficulty with the transition. But if you're returning back into a workplace where you've had to like fight with somebody yeah. in order to either stay off or whatever it was, it create can maybe create that angst when you return back with a manager. I mean, it can get really messy. So you were describing three phases of leave, and then you also brought up the 10 touch points. Can you walk us through that? Yes. But can I just comment on one thing you yeah. said? I think it's important. I would love for your listeners to walk away understanding that often that time that there's often many reasons to be angry at your manager or your boss. That is true. hundred percent. And often our frustration is misplaced. This is not even a company level problem to solve and we have made it one. So when we start to look at when companies start to see their employees as their collaborators in this time and employees start to see their managers and HR as collaborators, instead of who I'm fighting against, 
they are as equally unsure what to do. And a lot of people don't have a window into that that Mm -hmm. we do. And with the changing laws, the changing expectations, no one within the company talking about how to do this. They've never been trained. They're all of a sudden being told they may never have a child. They may be, you know, like it is just really, really messy. And, and if we can just look at it and say, okay, we're all in a really messy system that is in the midst of transformation. Hopefully, if we all do it right, let's give each other some grace and enter it that way. Yeah. It you get further. You just practically get further. That's all. oh thank you for bringing it back to that. It's it's such an important point, right? I mean, it's really easy to focus on the person in front of you as opposed to the system. I mean, it happens across so many things, mm-hmm. but this because it is so personal. I mean, this yeah. is really impacting yeah. you personally in a very deep way. Yes, the company too, for sure. I'm just really, you know, thinking from like the employee perspective or my client's perspective on just how impactful it is to them. So yes. They don't care. They don't want to hear anything about the company. They're like, this is, you know, can I get, of course not. They have a job. They expect their leave. It should go smoothly. And that is why it's a company's issue to fix, but it shouldn't be. Anyway, so the 10 touch points, what, Sue, do you want to talk about? Some of those? Sure. Should we switch back and forth? So phase one, they fall, you know, in alignment with the phases. So each one has three or four touch points, depending. So in that, the preparation phase, there are a couple of touch points, four of them. The first one, which a lot of people are already past once they find us, but that's okay. The first one is announcement. Mm -hmm. So how you announce as someone who's expecting a child, no matter how you're expecting to welcome that child, foster adoption, birth, you want to make that announcement in a way that shows confidence and that we're all in this together and we're going to figure it out, right? A lot of people come in on the apologetic side or, you know, they all kinds of things can go wacky with the announcement in a way that's out of alignment with what you would want, right? Mm -hmm. So Even if your announcement has gone badly, there are ways that you can learn from the way that went and kind of move forward. But we want you to take an approach where you're leading your leave, right? You are energetically leaving your leave. When we are in this broken, messy system, the one advantage and opportunity that creates is for you to design your own experience, right? And you can tell other people how it's going to be because they don't have a system to point you into. So starting with the announcement, you can start to set that tone. The second one, which is um, really important, and this is where our parental leave transition assessment comes in, or the PLTA that Amy was talking about, is assess, right? So a systematic way of assessing everything that is happening in your leave experience. So how's your relationship with your boss? How's your relationship with yourself? How's your relationship with your um, partner if you have one, right? You're looking at all directions and you're looking where are my assets and where are my liabilities? Because when you know that, you can lean heavily into all of the assets and you can sort of mitigate your liabilities so they don't end up completely sabotaging you. So that assessment phase is really, really key. And a lot of people don't even think of doing that, right? In a really thoughtful way. Which is fine. That's not how our brains are normally like operating in the day to day moment, Mm -hmm. but it's so beneficial to slow down and do that. Mm -hmm. And then we can go into our action planning phase. So action planning is really the nitty gritty, not just of how am I going to get out the door, like hand over my work and leave, but how am I going to get support while I'm out on leave? Right. How am I going to get enough sleep? How am I going to get enough, you know, somebody to help me make sure my house stays clean and we are all fed, right? All of those supports, which in this country, again, culturally, we're terrible at, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have a really infrastructure of care around this time unless you live in a really tight knit, fortunate community of one kind or another. And you're also planning for how you're going to return to work in a way that is not going to burn you out and make you completely implode. So this right. is before you're even off. Before, before you're even off, off and you're going to action plan it. The yep. whole three phases. You're going to vision that return. You're going to create contingency plans for if anything could go wrong. And what you're doing there is you're mind mapping possible routes that you yeah. can take yeah. if you need to hop onto one. Because if you don't, that return isn't as 
it's hard to get there, right? Well, certainly. I mean, just uh, for, let's say, even if there's nothing that goes wrong or stressful with birth or bringing a baby home or bringing a child home, you're just, you're in it. And it's really hard to think about other things because you're sleep deprived and all these other things. Yep. And this is without also yeah, on top of that dealing with uh, any other complications. So, right. That's one of the things I say all the time is even when everything goes quote unquote, right, this is still an incredibly challenging time. Absolutely. Flex, yeah. So that's the touch point three is action planning. And you're looking ahead. And again, things aren't going to go according to plan. That's okay. It doesn't mean you've done anything plans. wrong. Yeah. Right. But you will be able to react in the moment, you know, much more flexibly and without so much drama because you will have thought through, oh, I thought this might happen. Here's my backup plan. Here's mm -hmm. what I can do. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth piece of the first phase is acknowledging the transition, right? Again, we don't slow down enough to realize what a shift this is going to be in our lives. So getting really thoughtful about what kind of parent do I want to be? What are my career outcomes that I'm still thinking I'm wanting right now? And you're going to have to reassess some of that later on. But taking the time to acknowledge just the really, really massive life shift and identity shift that you're undergoing, I think it often gets glossed over. People only focus on the, you know, oh, you're going to have this amazing little baby and everything will be different, right? We have all these kind of cliches over the top, right. but we don't really stop to really get down under some of those layers. Awesome. Okay, so that's phase one. That's phase uh, one. Phase Amy, two. do you want to do phase two or you want me to keep going? All right. So I'm just going to go through phase two, pretty high level. There's three touch points in phase two. The first is appropriately keeping in touch. And what that is about is not, am I going to work while I'm on leave? <laughs> but it really thinking, how do I stay connected both at work and to my friends, to my family, to my support structures? How am I connected within my life as my life is changing and in our country can get very insular and very small quick. And so part of that is practical leave planning as Sue was talking about. And in that middle phase, we have a, a keep in touch strategy that people will want to figure out. And what that does is it allows that new parent to dictate how they want to stay in touch with work or not. So maybe they want a gatekeeper who's going to funnel them important information. Maybe they want no contact at all. Maybe they want to send a picture of their and an announcement and stay in touch with little bits that will allow that work to have a window into what they're experiencing. So their return will be easier because they won't be out of sight, out of mind. So that's what the consideration of that. Touch point six is advocate. And advocate is about really considering where in your life you need to advocate for yourself and getting comfortable with it, understanding your relationship with self-advocacy, with advocacy for your child, with advocacy for your new family unit. Just where are those boundaries and where are they flexible, permeable? Where do you need to fight for what you need? What are your values-driven advocacy things? <laughs> and you'll get a lot of chances to practice this in your life. So get on it now while you're you know, doing it. And then touch point seven is about arrangements for return. So that's slowly starting to move your attention back at the end of the during leave phase to your work is look, it's pulling out your plan and thinking like, oh my gosh, I wrote this when I was a different person. How do I do I want to throw in a contingency plan? Do I want to create something new here? Do I want to reach out to my manager or team and check in if anything has shifted at work? You know, depending on that length of leave, a lot can change um, or very little, right? Depending mm -hmm. on that. So it's just that gentle moving towards that, which uh, leads into the next one. So I'll just pop into that sure. touch point eight, which is in the return phase. But it sort of straddles the two of it's the counterpoint to acknowledging the transition to parent. It's acknowledging the transition to working parent. So what is that doing? How is that shift different? Uh, what does it mean to me? How do I feel? You know, all of the different mm -hmm. pieces that go into considering that. And then wrap it up quickly with adjust a uh, touch point nine is adjustment. So that's as you've you've come into work now, you're going to be adjusting. Right. There's things you thought were going to go a certain way, a lot of trial and error, experimentation, figuring out 
how do I make this work for me at work? Look, in all of these, I'm just giving you like, you know, the snippiest snippet of it, Mm -hmm. but there's exercises and reflection questions and different things to really guide you through each of these. And then the last touch point, 10, is access to ongoing career development, which is also a way to think about uh, anniversary. So building in moments in your at six months, at a year to really notice how far I've come. Is this on a track that I wanted? Have I changed my ideas about what I want that to be? It can look like signing up for different conferences or different things at certain mile markers and then looking back and or when you get there thinking, huh, how does that fit with who I am now? Do I still want that? That kind of thing. I had a, a wonderful a mom recently who we had do who wanted to quit her job right when she got back, but she was unsure. And so we said, okay, put put a marker, put a alert on your calendar eight months in and see if you want. She chose the eight months. We didn't say it. You know, what is an amount of time you want to try and stick this out? See if you can make things change. And she got to, she said eight months. So she had this pop and it just popped up last week where she was like, oh, wow, that's been eight months. I do want to leave. She decided that's what she wanted, but she had really, she tried to do it. And other people will say, no, I don't want to leave. I'm love to be here and I want to learn this new thing. But for her, for this one story, she did decide that she wanted to move to a different organization. Oh, it's really smart how you guys have set this up. And I love that there are thoughtful uh, questions and prompts for people to to dive into this because there's nothing you mentioned that isn't important. <laughs> too many negatives, but um, <laughs> yeah. uh, all of it is so important and so needed and so thoughtful. I just, I love it. I love what you're doing. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. And so... I mean, right now, a lot of the focus of leave is focused on birthing folks. But what happens in this conversation around partners? What have you seen? Or, or and is the book applicable to everyone? It's a hundred percent applicable to any parent who's welcoming a child. And we wrote it that way very, very intentionally for many, many reasons. It's so, so important. If you're, when I came to this work, I've shifted in my mindset because originally I was like, Amy, can't we just take care of the moms first? We're the ones who've been screwed over for years and years and years, right? Like, can't we just help the moms first? And what she really helped me see and shift my perspective on, which is one of her amazing gifts is we will never achieve 
equity, equality for women in the workplace until men are achieving equity as caregivers, right? When a man is just as likely to go out on a caregiving leave as a woman, or again, any gender is just as likely as any other gender identification to need to take a caregiving leave at some point in their career, then we will not bring this unconscious bias to our hiring decisions, to our promotional decisions, right? So just from Mm -hmm. that angle, it's very important. And then there are so many other angles, right? And the data that we have is really on heterosexual couples. So what we see, and hopefully that will shift and we'll get more and more data on all kinds of families. But we see when dads have a parental leave, and when they take advantage of that parental leave, we have better outcomes for mom and baby. There was a study in um, one of the Scandinavian countries that women are about 30% less likely to need you know, an antidepressant postpartum if their partner is on leave with them or their partner has a, a period of parental leave. Again, health outcomes for the child, all of these things are everybody wins when we include all parents in these discussions and when everybody has a better way to navigate this really, really tricky time. Right. I mean, and you're pulling in the, the importance of mental health and we've talked about it here and there so far, but it sounds like it's a pretty massive part. Like the, the It's a massive part. Yeah. All of our coaches do. We're the first organization to bring uh, perinatal mental health screening into the workplace. And we do it at every single session and a resource through our partner organization, Postpartum Support International. So that it is a, an integral part of everything that we do. And I think I want to make sure to always say, because a lot of people don't know, perinatal mental health is not just about moms. I'm sure they do on your show, but I've just, just to be, you know, one in five to one in seven new moms, some from a PMAD, but one in 10 dads do. And so most people don't understand that this is a massive issue for dads and dads are even less likely to seek support. And so we, you know, moms are also, you know, nobody's really likely to get the support they need, but dads are even less so. So that shows up in partner relationship issues at work in frustration and anger and you know, there's so many ways these things can show up that have ripple effects that are devastating. Absolutely. And so, yeah, there was something else you said that I wanted to comment on, but that one is just a really, really important. Oh, dads. One, I had a conversation this morning with the man who started a group called City Dads, which are dad meetups in 40 different cities across the country, which if people don't know about it, please find and go to for your dads. They also do dad boot camp. So we are talking about one of my active goals this year is to bring more dads into the coach certification training because by the nature of this, and it, most people thinking it's about birthing moms, we get moms who've had their own experience coming in. And so I have been recruiting dads to that are more visible dads so that they can start to get this message out there. And I just, for any mom that is listening, your job, your advocacy job is with your partner if you're in a heterosexual relationship, because you're probably the one carrying this load for your family. And the dads need to be as well. They need to be talking about it. They need to be advocating. They need to be speaking up that. And you're going to be the way that they understand that that needs to happen. So I just for sure. Yeah, I mean, right. It's a lot about this is all about uh, like information. Um, Having the right information is so empowering. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And then when you find out what you don't know, you can do something with that. Mm -hmm. What have you seen if you can give us an example, or maybe even just giving some hope to the people out there who are listening to this? What can they hold on to? What have you seen about the outcomes with your work? So many hopes. It is, it is. But it's so important for people to understand that in the face of all this horrible information that just gets flooded through, A, you are in the most exciting time, most exciting time. It can be horribly hard, but the gifts and the growth that you will come with it, the love you will come with it, the expansion, those are, they're incalculable. But Also, it's doable. We think that it's not because it's so overwhelming. And what we're saying in this book and what we're handing you in this literal playbook is this is how you do it. 
Like just, we've been studying this for 16 years at this point. This is how you do it. And we're not saying that to take away your individual experience. We're actually saying it to give you a path so that your individual experience can be highlighted. When you take away those pieces that are the same for everyone and the worry about those, you can start to focus where it really matters, which is the ones that are important to you. So it's possible. And there is a vast and growing network of supports in all of these different areas that you're running up against. So reach out. We have access to it. We have a whole chapter 16 in this book that is lists of the people who are doing work in what we call the ecosystem of leave. So that might be in advocacy. It might be in law and policy. It might be in support services like lactation or milk stork or, you know, whatever it is, there's a whole universe of supports that this will tap you into and our organization can tap you into. So I guess I will say that. And you're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's so much more to know about this and really too complex for my brain. So I'm glad you guys are doing this. I'm so grateful that you're doing this. And I'm, I know that everyone out there who is hearing this is relieved and grateful as well. So I thank you so much for your time and all your dedication and your work. Thanks for having us. Thanks so, so much. I'm glad to have you. Y'all can find more information about this work on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CPL Leadership, as well as their website, cplleadership.com. And you can find more about their certification program on the website as well. And again, the book that they wrote, The Parental Leave Playbook, 10 Touch Points to Transition Smoothly, Strengthen Your Family, and Continue Building Your Career, can also be found through their website or online where books are sold. I want to thank them again for coming on, giving us this education, giving us tools to be able to navigate this period of time, and teaching us a little bit more about how we can navigate this really important period of time. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.